No one comes to the Father but through Him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Therefore, it no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Get motivated and be inspired by inspiration for today. Amen. Are you ready for the word? Can I ask you just to raise your hands where you are right there? Say, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I declare open heavens over my life, over my mind. I believe I'm going to receive from you today in Jesus' name. I'm excited to receive from you in Jesus' name. And now let's pray together. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you right now that you'd speak to my life, that you'd minister to my heart. May your word be revealed to me in such a way that I can declare it, that I can believe it and understand it and speak it and do it so that it may change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're starting a new series this week and it's entitled, God, Why Did You Do That? So um, you might be wondering why, why we... Um, We'd have a series, you know, um, entitled God, Why Would You Do That? And the first, the first week's sermon might even uh, put some more questions in your mind. God, why do you want everything from me? And I just want to start off, and I want to just mention Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And it says in, in Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So God is saying, I want you to give yourself to me to such an extent that you are a living sacrifice. Now, how many of you realize sacrifices die? So God says, I want you to die and be alive. God, why would you say that? So this is what we're going to be looking at in this new series. And God, why do you want everything from me? Because if God wants you to be a living sacrifice. It means that He wants everything from you. It means He wants you to hold nothing back. So I want to start off and um, tell you about the world that you leave when you offer your life as a living sacrifice to God. And I want to start off by telling you a story of a girl. It's not her real name, but her name is Tonya. And this is a real story. And Tanya spent the night, after night, at different hotel rooms with different men, all at the command of someone she once trusted. She was held against her will, beaten and made to feel like she had no other option at the time, all by the man she thought she loved. She felt she deserved it. Tanya felt she couldn't escape. Afraid and confused, she thought the emotional and physical abuse she endured was of her own doing. She thought maybe she was just stuck in a bad place in her life. Natanya, which is a pseudonym, which means it's not a real name, was a victim of human trafficking. He made me feel like I was doing it because I loved him, and in the end, we'd have a really good financial reward, Tanya said. When Tanya was 13, she met Eddie, also a pseudonym. In other words, it's not his real name. 
at the apartment she was living in with her mother in Dallas, in the Dallas, Texas area. His estranged wife was the property manager, and Tanya was classmates with Eddie's stepdaughter. So the two would often see each other at the apartment in the local, and in the local grocery store. It was there that the, fir- that the two first exchanged numbers. It was a casual relationship at first. Okay, this is, she's friends with his daughter. Now they've got a casual relationship. Already there's a problem. And then it goes on and says, you could see there was a mutual connection. I thought he was cute. So now she thinks her friend's father's cute. All right. Tanya recalled, he could, uh, I could really tell that he was flirtatious with me. We would talk and flirt a lot. But there was much more, sorry, but there was not much more until we met again when I was 15. Things began to change one night when Tanya ran into Eddie at a bar. The two reconnected and the flirting picked up where it had left off. And Tanya went home with Eddie that night. Tanya was a runaway at the time. She eventually moved in with Eddie and the two began a relationship. It was a normal arrangement at first. Tanya would cook, clean and look after Eddie's kids from time to time. However, it was when the two were at a party filled with alcohol and drugs that the relationship took a turn. He approached me and told me in so many words, I want you to have sex with this guy for money, Tanya said. I was very uncomfortable and I kept saying no. I didn't want to do it. He kept telling me, if you love me, you'll do this. It's just one thing. Just try it. After nearly 30 minutes of constant pressure, Tanya agreed to have sex with a man. She thought it would be a one-time thing, but it became an everyday routine for the next few weeks. Night after night, bar after bar, Tanya would go out with Eddie while he advertised her to potential suitors. Tanya thought she loved him. She felt she could deal with the physical toll of tra- that, that, that the trafficking took on her body. It turned out to be the hardest part of the deal. So what turned out to be the hardest part of the deal was the emotional and physical and psychological effects. Being able to sleep with that many people and live with yourself and get up every day and keep doing it and just lying there helpless is so hard, Tanya said. Help eventually came for Tanya in the form of the U.S. Immigration and Custom Enforcement, um, ICE, that stands for ICE, uh, if you've heard of ICE in America, that's the organization, but their Homeland Security Investigations, HSI, and Special Agent Keith Owens. The Grand Prairie, Texas Police Department had received a tip about Eddie's crime and passed on the case to HSI Dallas. Owens and his team took over and moved in and arrested Eddie. Now, this is off a U.S. government website. This is a real story. The only thing that has been changed in the story is the names. Now, I want you to think about this. How do you think the Lord feels about a girl named Tanya who runs away from home? And what do you think the Lord thinks about a guy named Eddie when he takes advantage of her and sells her for money. Now the Bible tells us how the Lord feels about this. In Romans 1 verse 18, But God's angry displeasure erupts as acts of human mistrust and wrongdoing and lying accumulate, and as people try to put a shroud over the truth. In other words, people are trying to cover up the truth. And as people are trying to cover up the truth, 
God's angry displeasure erupts. God is not happy with us. I want you to look at me. And I want you to listen to what I'm telling you right now. There are some very bad things that are going on in the world. And the things, the bad things that are going on in the world are because this is what people are like. This is who people are. People are trying to cover the truth. And when you think about some of these things that you hear about or read about or see videos about, it becomes clear that people deserve eternal destruction. That's what people deserve and that's why Jesus came and he died for us on the cross. And as a result of Jesus dying for us on the cross, we read in Romans 8 verse 1, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. In Jesus we have the promise of no condemnation. I want to say that to you. In Jesus we have the promise of no condemnation. In Jesus we have the promise that we will not be condemned. All who have received Jesus have this promise. It's an incredible act that God gave to humanity, an act of, 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 of mercy that people do not deserve. And therefore, God, in the midst of this act of mercy, He goes right there in the middle of that act of mercy and He calls out to us. And in response, God says, I've given you this incredible act of mercy. You have a shot at eternity. You can live forever with me. You can gain that which you lost through sin. But in response, God wants everything. And I'll read to you that verse from Romans 12, verse 1 again. And this is Paul speaking about, uh, uh, you know, he's speaking from the book of Romans, which contains a massive and incredibly detailed explanation of the mercy of God we've been looking at this mercy we've been looking at what God calls us to do since August last year through the book of Romans and and Paul says after all of this stuff about all of this mercy and all of these things that God has done for you through the Lord Jesus Christ he says I beseech you therefore because of what Jesus has done for you I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God so I beseech you therefore on the platform on the foundation of the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It is reasonable, he says, look at me, it is reasonable, he says, for God to ask us for everything. God calls us to come and to bring our lives onto his altar and at his altar to offer everything, to lay everything at his altar. Everything. Every single thing. Every cent. Every ounce of strength. Every minute of the day. Everything we have. Every part of our spirit. Everything. He calls us to come and lay it at his altar. And God desire that we sacrifice our entire lives to him. That is the desire of God. There is nothing more that you can give to God than your body. Your money is not worth to you what your body is. What is your money worth to you without your body? If you're offering your body to God, 
you're offering him everything. And the message puts it this way in Romans 12 verse 1. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. So he starts off, he says, here's what I want you to do with God helping you. In other words, it's not that you do this on your own. And then he says, take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. You know, when you go on destiny training, this is what you learn all about. How do you do this? How do you do this in a practical way? When you go on the life class, which will be starting up again beginning of June, this is what you begin to learn. How can I build a relationship with this God? who's asking me to do this thing, and how can I get to the place where I have this kind of a relationship with God, where this actually begins to make sense to my life, that I give up everything for Him. Take your everyday, ordinary life. That life that you live every single day, your everyday, ordinary life. You know the ordinary things of life. When you get up tomorrow and you have your breakfast and you go to work or to school or university, wherever you're going to go to, take that everyday, in other words, your every single day life, the every day of your life life, whether you're on holiday, whether you're at work, weekend, week, whatever you may be, take your everyday, ordinary life and give it to Him. Let me tell you, your everyday ordinary life feels boring because without God it is boring. And he says, take that everyday ordinary life, that life that makes you feel bored, and give that to him. Let's break it down in terms of what he says here. He says, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. So the best thing you can do for God is to embrace, to take a hold of, to grab a hold of that which He did for you. The best thing that you can do for God is to let your life be focused on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we break it down as follows. You're sleeping. What do you do when you sleep? One of the things you do when you sleep is you dream. So take your dreams and give them to God. The language of the Holy Spirit, the way that God speaks to you, is through dreams. And I really want you to understand that everyone has a dream, and God says, take your dreams, put them one side, and give your dreams to me. Ask God to bless your sleep. Don't lie awake at night with nightmares. You see, when you hold on to your life, you often lie awake at night with nightmares where you can't sleep, with anxiety and all of those things. They keep you awake at night because you're worried about the things that are going to happen because you have nightmares because of the fact that you haven't given God your life. Then what happens is you end up in a place where everything depends on you and on your effort and there are no guarantees. And any day things can go wrong, just like this. He says, give me your dreams. When you're sleeping, you live for my dreams. Because if you're living for my dreams, then I'm going to help you. Because I want my dreams for you to come to pass. You no longer have to do everything. I'm going to help you. Don't lie awake, tossing and turning, 
give everything to Him. When you start giving everything to Him and He starts putting faith in your heart, you start getting a realization inside of you. If you start doing what He's called you to do and you start believing in Him and you start trusting in Him for provision, then if God ordered it, God has to pay for it. You know like if you go to a restaurant or if you go to McDonald's, if you ordered the food, you got to pay for the food. If you're doing what God ordered you to do, then God pays for it. If you're doing what you want to do, who pays for it? You do. That's where the stress comes. When you start living for God's dream, God pays. That's why you can sleep at night. And then he, he speaks about your going to work. You sacrifice your going to work. Where you work is part of your calling. What God is saying, give your work to Him. Whatever your secular job is, you give it to Him. Don't just leave your job for more money. Ah. Ah. If you leave your job for more money, what is your life worth? Wherever you work, God has placed you there on assignment. You leave if God has moved your assignment, not for more money. If you leave for more money, you're a slave to money. You're either a slave to money or you're a slave to God. You're either a slave to sex outside of marriage or you're a slave to God. You're either a slave to running away from home or a slave to God. You're either a slave to doing acts of human trafficking. Those things are going on in our nation, by the way. Just you're not going to find on our government's website. Amen. Our government covers it up. At least in America, some of the oaks, most in Dungarees, at least some do. Yeah, hardly anyone. I think two people have ever been charged with human trafficking in South Africa. Yet it's all over the place. I want you to realize, wherever you are in life, God has placed you there on assignment. And God, your God-given assignment needs to be completed where you are. If you get another job offer, for example, ask Him before you leave. You do realize, when you, when you go into the workplace, God has sent you there as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has sent you there to be a, a light in a dark place. The world is a very dark place. People are being human trafficked. All sorts of terrible things are happening to people. Guess what? Many people don't have hope because all they see is darkness. But the moment you walk into their lives, there's light in their lives. And that's why they're attracted to you because they see the light of God shining through you. So ask God before you take that offer. Tell the person next to you, say, ask God before you take that offer. And then he says you're walking around life. Now, what do you do when you're walking around? When you're walking around, what do you do? Well, normally you're going from one point to another. And what do you have at the end of every journey? You have a destination. So if you're giving your walking around life to God, then you're surrendering your will to Him regarding where you go. And that means you're surrendering your destiny to God. 
Some people think it's boring to surrender your destiny to God. Are you mad? Have you lost it? God who fearfully and wonderfully made you. God who made you with a purpose. God who said, I want you to be successful in that purpose. God who wants to bless you. God who wants to cover you with His glory and cover you with His grace. He wants to cover you with His mercy and cover you with His love. God wants to wrap a warm blanket around you on a cold day like today. What do you mean by the destiny of God is boring? What are you talking about, huh? What are you saying? It's, it's a boring to be warm. On a colder winter's day. Okay, let's just go. Never mind the fact that it's cold outside. Why don't we just open the freezer as well and try and get it as cold as like places like Michigan, you know what I mean? Or Alaska, or even better, Antarctica. Let's just really freeze this place over, you know, because to be warm is boring. I want to say to you, I, I prefer being warm. That's why I'm wearing a nice coat. Amen. It isn't minuses yet. It's above five degrees, but I'm still wearing the coat. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I want to be warm. And when you give your destiny to God, it is about being warm. And let God lead you to His destiny for your life. I want to tell you something. The destiny that God has for your life is a gazillion times better than any other destiny that you could ever follow. Let me tell you this. What is the end destiny if God leads you to His destiny for your life? It's heaven. What is heaven like? Well, some of you are living for money. That's why you want to move to another job. Now you're going to move to heaven. And what does the Bible say about heaven? It's a place where the streets will be paved with gold. So what you're working for now is like the tar outside on the road outside you. Imagine, you spend your whole life living for tar. Or you know, if you go onto the pavement, you see the bricks there on the pavement. You spend your whole life living for paving. If you're living for the wealth of this world, you are living for the paving of heaven. The stuff you're going to walk on. The stuff where if people spit in the street like people sometimes do, they're going to spit on, on gold. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what you're living for. I want to tell you the destiny that God has for you is a gazillion times better than anything you can ever even begin to imagine. And here's the warning. If you don't give it to God, then the devil will take everything. In Romans 12 verse 1b, it says, Embracing, and this is from the message, Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. There's nothing better for you. There's nothing better that you can do than to embrace God. And if you don't, the enemy has a foothold in your life. God has everything. He owns everything, except you, except your heart. God encourages and invites you to give Him your heart. He says, unlike Eddie in that story, Eddie forced her, did you see that? He forced her. He forced her to start sleeping with other men for money. God's not going to do that to you. God invites you, and every day He reminds you, says, hello, I'm still here, give me your heart. I'll give you everything I have. I already gave you my son. I can't give you more. Jesus says, hey, I died for you. I can't give you more than my life. I love you that much that I gave you my life. Come on, respond, give me your heart. That's what he does every single day. 
And if God has everything, when the enemy comes and attacks you, God takes care of you. If you hold on to something when the enemy attacks, then you have to sort the enemy out. And you know you're no match for the devil. If he comes to sort you out and God's not fighting for you, you're going to end up with bruises. But when God does not have everything, you also need to realize that your mind is on the flesh. And Romans 8 verse 7 and 8 says, In fact, the mind focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to His direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. You cannot please God. And you will not be happy with anything that God wants to do in your life if your mind is focused on the flesh. And if your mind is focused on the flesh, your mind refuses to submit to what God wants to do. And why does the enemy in this case have his way with you? Because your mind is focused on the flesh. And if your mind is focused on the flesh, your mind is focused on that, which in the end is going to die. The problem with those whose minds are focused on the flesh is that God has no pleasure with those whose minds are focused on the flesh. And why is that? I want you to look at me and I want you to listen very carefully. Why does God not find no pleasure with you if your mind is focused on the flesh? Because if your mind is controlled with the flesh, then you re refuse to submit to His direction. And if you refuse to submit to, your, to His direction, then your destiny is that of destruction. And let me tell you more than even what you want, God doesn't want your destruction. The last thing God wants is your destruction. In fact, God so doesn't want your destruction that He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for you. The destiny of the flesh is destruction. So God, you stand there. Imagine you're standing there in a room. So why do you want everything from me? You know you can ask Him with attitude. You know that you can ask God a question with attitude. So God, why do you want everything from me? That seems so unfair. Can't you just leave me with something? You know, God says, I want everything. Because it's only when I have everything that I can completely redeem you. He says, I want to redeem every single area of your life. I want to redeem it back from the devil. I want to redeem it back from death. Your, your, your life, if I haven't redeemed it, belongs to the devil and it belongs to death. We give everything to God because when we do, we can go right into the presence of God. In fact, Vic's read that verse and we haven't even discussed this. But it lines up with this verse from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 21 and 22. And since we have a great high priest, the high priest is Jesus. The high priest, what did the high priest used to do in the Old, in the Old Testament? He used to go in on the Day of Atonement. Uh, I was listening because one of the basketball players called another basketball player Cone. You know a cone? You know when they practice, they put those orange cones there? And he said, he's so good at, he's so terrible at defending, he's like going past a cone. He doesn't move, you know. So now the Day of Atonement, anyway. I don't know why that happened. But anyway, on the Day of Atonement, the priest used to go into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of God. And he used to make a, sac a sacrifice. And if God accepted the sacrifice, then Israel's sin was atoned for for that year. If the priest died, Israel knew they were in trouble because it meant their sacrifice had not been accepted. But Jesus is the ultimate high priest because he went into the Holy of Holies with his own blood. 
and it's blood that only needed to be shed once because it was shed once and for all and it says and since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house God's house is the church let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting him okay so we can go right into the presence of God under the old covenant if you went into the holy of holies you would drop dead under the old covenant if you went into the full presence of God you would drop dead because of your sin but now Jesus has taken away all of your sin and now we can go we we do not realize the incredible honor we have that we can go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting him we can afford to go into the presence of God with sincere hearts because we fully trust him and then it says listen to this if you're sitting here with a guilty conscience this morning Listen to what this verse says. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. You know what the blood of Jesus does? It cleans you and it redeems you to such an extent that when the blood of Jesus is sprinkled over your conscience, even your conscience is cleaned. That guilty conscience you have over things that you've done, over things that you've messed up, over things that you've destroyed over things that you wish you could change but you can't over over words you wish you could take back that you can't over things you've done to people that you wish you could have changed but you can't all of those things all of those things that tell you you can never be good enough for god jesus came and he died on the cross for you and his blood is sprinkled on your conscience and even your guilty conscience is cleansed by the blood of jesus Our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Jesus is our great high priest. He is the greatest high priest there is. There is no other high priest like him. And because of our faith, he intercedes for us right now before the Father. Whatever you messed up last night or yesterday or even this morning or last week, doesn't matter when it was, Jesus is there right now. If your faith is in Him, He's pleading your case before the Father. And the Father says, what is the evidence for your pleading? And Jesus says, argument number one is my blood. Argument number two is my blood. Argument number three is my blood. My blood is all the evidence you need because, Father, you allowed an injustice when I died on the cross. And so you owe me. You owe me some justice. So I want to use their sin to justify my death. And then we get away. And we win the case. What do we keep if we hold part of us back from God? We keep our dirty consciences. You want to keep your dirty conscience, you are back from God. No problem, you keep it. God, God will leave you with your dirty conscience if you want it. God will leave you with your regret if you want it. When we give everything to God, we are sprinkled with the blood of Jesus and our guilty consciences are washed clean by the blood of Jesus. Then you wake up tomorrow morning. <sighs> My conscience is clean. Not because you're so awesome. You say that because of the blood of Jesus. I really want you to think about that. What about the sin stain on our bodies? Well, it's washed with pure water. You know what pure water is? That means like you're walking around, you know, you're walking around and you, your body gets dirty on the outside. You know, if your body gets dirty on the inside, it causes an infection. 
So this doesn't cause infection. You just get dirty on the outside. You clean on the inside. And then you wash with pure water, which is reading the Bible. When you read the Bible, you start to get washed. And the Holy Spirit works with the words that you're reading on the page. And then when you read those words and the Holy Spirit works with it, it talks about the saturation of the Holy Spirit. The saturation of the Holy Spirit just filling your life. Washing you clean. So that you look better for the world around you. What we desperately need is an encounter with Jesus. We need to know what's at stake. We need an encounter with Jesus and I want you to listen to me very carefully now. Because eternity is at stake. And for us and for everyone that we're supposed to reach with the gospel, we need to know eternity is at stake. I want you to realize God doesn't want you to receive His good news and keep it to yourself. He wants you to receive His good news and go and tell other people that their consciences too can be cleaned. There's no more powerful weapon for the spiritual battle than the blood of Jesus. There's a famous verse that we often talk about in our church. It's Revelation 12, 11. And they have defeated Him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. So we defeat the devil. We defeat the enemy. We defeat sin. We defeat all the evil of this world by the blood of Jesus and by the word of our testimony where we speak about what the blood of Jesus has done for us. When we testify about what Jesus has done for us by the blood of Jesus and our testimony of the blood of Jesus, we defeat the devil. We beat him. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. In other words, now we've been hearing about COVID for two years. Now, I don't know if you've seen the news, it's now monkeypox. They're trying to make you scared. They want to lock you down again. They're not planning to leave you. They've even put laws in place. They want to lock you down again. Now they need to feed you with information about monkeypox. And they show you these terrible things of all of these people who are getting sick. But at the end of the day, if you've put your faith in the blood of Jesus, you won't be afraid to die. If you've sacrificed your life to Him, you won't be afraid to die. The fear of death will not overpower you. And you will be able to make God-given decisions and the enemy will not be able to deceive you. Jesus, who is God's only Son was so concerned about sinners that he agreed to bear our sickness on his body so that he could give us his his medicine. I, I want you to realize today, in a time where governments and people that are not actually governments but actually control the governments want you to be focused on disease. Because if they can get you in a state of fear, they can control you. And Jesus is saying now more than ever, you need to realize that the only answer to sickness is the blood of Jesus. There is no other answer to Jesus, to to sickness, but the blood of Jesus. And I want you to listen very carefully to me today. Jesus shed his blood to redeem you. To buy you back. And the price for your redemption was incredibly high. 
You know, often at the encounters, we look at Psalm 49, verse 7 and 8, which says, No man can by any means redeem his brother or give God a ransom for him, for the redemption of a soul is costly and should cease forever trying. The cost to receive a person's soul, to redeem a person's soul, is so expensive, no one can ever pay for it. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. You know what the, the word redemption means? It means to purchase from the market, to buy out of the market, or to, to set free by paying a price. It talks about slaves. Imagine going into a market of slaves, and all the people there are slaves, and you can buy a slave. Jesus went into a market where you were a slave to sin, you were a slave to the devil, you were a slave to death. You know what he did? He paid for you. And the price the currency used was his own blood. And then he takes you out of that market and he says, right now, I've set you free. You see, he's entitled to set you free because he paid for you. And that's what happens with a slave. He paid for you. Now, just before I do a call for Jesus, I want to ask you, is there anyone here today and you're needing a miracle? You're needing a miracle in your life. Could be sickness, could be finances, could be a broken relationship, could be something's falling apart or whatever. And I want to just tell you very quickly about what, are you, what can you do to receive your miracle and the first thing you have to do is you have to know the promise of God you have to know the promise of God that Jesus by his own blood has set you free and as we've read earlier that uh, you can now boldly from the book of Hebrews you can now boldly go into the presence of almighty God and you can ask him for your miracle you're entitled to ask God for your miracle and then you've got to visualize that, that promise from, from Hebrews 10. You've got to visualize. You're going into the presence of God and you're asking Him for the miracle that you need. And you're asking Him to meet your need. And visualize you going in there into His presence and Him meeting your need. And then you've got to confess it. Maybe it's a sickness. Confess the healing. Maybe you're sitting here with monkeypox and everyone else... You know what I mean? You're hearing about monkeypox all over the place. Maybe everyone wants to run away and now you're confessing your healing. Those bumps on my skin will disappear in Jesus' name. You've got to confess it. You, you've got to confess it so that you can believe it. Because as you speak the word, the Holy Spirit begins to work with you to build up a faith, to actually believe the promise of God in the Bible. And then you've got to persevere. You've got to pray until you see your miracle. It doesn't matter what sickness or weapon has come up against you. You have the power in the blood of Jesus to overcome the enemy. You have that power today.